We are recording. All right. I have no idea what we're doing, but here we go. <laughs> Hi, this is Taylor Stevens, the New York Times bestselling and award-winning author of the kick-ass Vanessa Michael Monroe thrillers. And this is the Taylor Stevens Show with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. This is a special episode of The Taylor Stevens Show, an abbreviated episode of The Taylor Stevens Show that we're calling the Hurricane Edition because I am in Naples, Florida, uh, where we still don't have power. Most of us still don't have power. Uh, hurricane was nine days. We're nine days without power now, which is awesome. And uh, <laughs> Awesome in the very excited, lovely sense or the very... <laughs> Well, well, what's what's really exciting is that a friend of ours and a, and a business partner who lives 60 miles to the north of us never lost power. So we've been staying with him for the last week. So that's awesome for us. Probably not so great for him. But uh, we're still here. And we're not leaving anytime soon because we've got oh, power and Internet and can take showers. So we're excited about that. And air conditioning. Yes. <laughs> and we go home every couple of days to check on things and confirm that it's really hot when it's 95 degrees outside that's really hot inside your condo if there's no air conditioning and no fan blowing humid too i imagine um yes i expect so <laughs> <laughs> um so anyway the topic of today's show which will be abbreviated because there's no time to edit or do much of anything is using natural disasters in fiction and i it's probably not something you've ever done, but I've been thinking about it a lot. So I'm kind of curious what you think about it. Well, do you mean as the basis for a story? Like, or you know, could, the day the earth stood still type thing? or Could be that, or could be as background. Um, there's an old Humphrey Bogart movie where it, I don't even remember what the point of the movie was, but it took place somewhere in the Middle Keys and there was a hurricane coming. So there was some sort of like a locked door type murder kind of thing going on. But there was the hurricane that was adding all this pressure. So it could be um, a natural disaster that's just adding pressure to the story. That's just amping everything up. Or it could be the story itself. Because everybody keeps saying, oh, you should write about the hurricane. Which I have well, absolutely know, no interest in doing. It's really funny you should say that. Because... Lots of times, I've been on um, author panels in, in the past where they talk about, oh, yes, you know, as an author, we spend all our time devising new ways to kill people, <laughs> la, la, la. And I, I was like, I don't. You know, I, I must be very innocent and, and sweet and lovely because that is not how I spend my time. And that crossed my mind when Hurricane Harvey rolled in mm -hmm. um, because, you know, we... Houston got hit just right before you got hit, and Houston um, got drowned, basically, with yes. the flooding and everything. Yes. And and my very sweet and lovely mind was going, God, this would be the perfect setting for a psychological thriller where, like a spousal situation where one spouse was looking for a way to kill the other and then this hurricane rolls in and drowns the city and now they're trapped in this house on the second floor or in the attic and you know there's 13 feet of water between them and no way out and set the entire thing in that tiny little um cloistered sort of panicked environment so 
can it be done? Yeah, I'm sure it could, because my sweet, lovely, naive little mind went, hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that, that's, that, <laughs> we should just go with this and, and just do a story about it. <laughs> uh, and then, um, you know, as far as, like, background or whatever, I think that anything an author lives through, especially the bad stuff that an author lives through, is prime um, material that can work its way into a book. It doesn't even have to be a book about that. But let's say, for example, you have a character in a story who works for FEMA. And having been through a hurricane and watched the way that FEMA, you know, having a firsthand look on the ground as FEMA's doing their thing, you kind of have a sense for how this operates and it gives it gives you ideas. So you know, maybe seven years later, you're writing this book and there's a character and it's like, oh, yeah, this would be good. I'll have him work for FEMA. And just some little bits and bobs of what he's done in the past. He was in Houston during whatever, whatever hurricane. <laughs> uh-huh. That type of stuff is so useful because you can do as much research as you want. Nothing ever comes close to that firsthand authenticity of actually having been there, done that, experienced it. So even if you're not writing a hurricane story or whatever, if you've lived through a hurricane and you know what it's like to go without power, well, if you ever write a story with a guy who's in a situation where the lights go out, it doesn't have to be a hurricane, but you have that sense of what it feels like and the Mm, way that mm -hmm. everything is dragged out because everything takes twice as long and all it's there it's 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 material to draw from and the more you experience over the course of your life the more authenticity you can throw into it so there's my very long winding rambling answer (laughs) that's a good answer um one of the things that that i find interesting about watching coverage of hurricanes on tv and you know maybe this could could kind of wrap into the story like from a different viewpoint kind of thing where you've got this spousal situation, which I really like. I mean, you know, that could be really interesting. Um, the, the whole kind of thing where, like, one of them wants to kill the other one. And, you know, can Make I use like this? Can I it's use this? Yeah, can I yeah. use this flooding or this storm or whatever to make it work? And then, you know, go to a different point of view that someone 19 states away watching the coverage on television um, on national television, which presents a very dire picture of everything, and and I, I, it, it would be really interesting, really interesting, kind of maybe even kind of fun to do if it could be like a, a fairly short thing. Yeah, if both if either of us didn't already have more work to do in the hours <laughs> every day for the next three years lined up. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Um, it, can I can I talk since this is the special hurricane edition? I want to talk for a minute about the news coverage of hurricanes because when when I watched from here what was going on in Houston, I, I got the same impression that everyone in the country got because we all watched the same, you know, whatever networks and. You see this stuff, and, and you go, oh, my God, that is horrific, and it is horrific. It's terrible. But we were sitting here um, in a bunker, a friend's house that's essentially a bunker, waiting for the storm, 
and people were calling and texting. It's like, you're going to be killed. <laughs> it's like, no, we're not going to be killed. Stop watching that channel and go to a different channel. Because down here, when you're local, and I'm sure it's exactly the same in Houston, the coverage is very specific about what's going to happen to you in your part of the city and, and things like that. And I, I just, I found that kind of fascinating. What a fantastic job the local media did of keeping us informed about what was going on. And I guess, I guess the national media does a fantastic job of keeping people titillating and watching uh, just, just to see what's say, going to happen. You're far more generous than I am because I watched and I just got irritated. I couldn't watch it anymore because to me it feels like um, disaster porn. Yes, oh, that's exactly where, where what it is. Just, yes, you know, it's like let's try and make this as dramatic as I mean. Yes, okay, if, I get it. It, it is a hurricane, and people, you know, people are in danger. But it's like they drum up the here I am standing in the winds, and look, there's a garbage can blowing <laughs> right behind me. Yes, and I'm just like, oh my. God, you know, and so it, it, I don't think on a national level that's entirely helpful at all. I think that when you have local uh, agencies that are giving real advice and telling people get out like they did with the keys, you know, get out. This is a mandatory evacuation. Yes, that is very helpful. And they're not drumming it up and, you know, wind is blowing and all these horrible things are going to happen. It's just get out. Or be prepared to, you know, save your own life if something, if you don't, that yeah. type of situation. And what they did here, which was fascinating, to me at least, uh, with w what they can do with technology now, is th you know, they kind of laid out what was going to happen if the storm goes on this track. And this is like a few hours before the eyewall hit. And if it goes on this track, this is what's going to happen, this is what's going to be like, and here's what you need to do to stay safe when this happens. And then... It was, they were actually giving almost mile-by-mile mile progress of the eyewall so that you would know five minutes away that, you know, it's getting ready to hit you. And it yeah. literally, if you look at the map, there's a map in the, in the New York Times today of exactly where the middle of the storm went. It went one mile from where we were, the middle of the storm. Yeah, see, yeah I was one of those people that was writing you going... Have you taken precautions? Yes, we took I precautions. I wasn't panicked going, <laughs> you're going to die. It was like, you do realize that this time it's headed straight for you. What are the odds, really? I mean, really, I what know. are the odds of it going straight for you? They always veer off except when they don't. And that could wrap into our story here that, you know, we really should write. Yeah, we, you know, that would be fun. If I always tell people, because I hear a lot from people, oh, you should write this and you should write that. And my issue is time and coming up with stuff like completely is is that's the hardest part for me, the creative process. And like, give me the story. You build it. I'll write it. We can work that, you know. So, hey, you build it. I'll write it. <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, maybe I'll build it. <laughs> and then you'd have to write it because you said it. Oh, you yeah. said it on the air. Yeah, I, I know. I, I'm like every show I dig myself in deeper and deeper of all these things and promises. And, you know, we still even haven't gotten our Hall of Fame up yet. And I'm um, just like by now people are like that Taylor. She's such a flake. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, it's probably not going to happen for a little while yet. Um, 
how are it's you doing? Our next, oh, me? What, what's going on with your writing? Because I have nothing prepared. I, I, have, I have done nothing except what I absolutely have to do for the last 10 days. And so I have nothing prepared for the show other than, hey, we're going to talk about the hurricane and we're going to do this one thing, which we've done. But what's, what's going on with, with your writing? Where are you? Well, I, just, I just came out of um, a mini fugue, which is like when I go into writing a book, when, by the time I get finished with the book, I come out of that and I'm just like, oh, my God, you know life has passed and all of a sudden we're in a different year. So I just had a mini, mini version of that happen because I needed to get uh, the proposal material done for this book that I'm working on I'm at the very, very beginning stages of it. And I needed to do the outline and I needed to get the first chapter. And so all my focus has been like, get that first chapter, get that first chapter. And it's so freaking hard writing. Like when you first start out, just excruciating. It took me two weeks to do it because I'm like, you're framing it from the very beginning. Everything is in this, this opening sets the stage for everything and getting it right is so important, especially when you're introducing characters where there's a huge backstory that the reader may or may not know. It, so yeah, it was a challenge. So I just wrapped that up now and I'm like looking around going, okay. Yeah, it's look, it's the middle of September. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I, know. I don't mean as in, but in, as in pa time is passing, but in just in the way that you just don't pay attention to anything that's going on. I I really once I get that in like in my head, hyper focused on this thing, nothing else matters. I I and I actually just posted a Patreon video about this, explaining like the process in a little more depth and. I, I get to this point where like I have this huge list of things to do. And when I'm in the very beginning writing stage of creating the very first chapter of, you know, setting setting on this this very long year long journey I'm about to head into, um, it's excruciating. And I might spend eight hours in front of the computer and get almost nothing from it because my brain is just pinballing all over the place, and it's like I want to. I have this feeling that I'm trying to convey, and it's like a thousand different ways attempting to try and convey it, and it's not happening, and it's very unproductive. So why not just stop? It's not working right now. Stop and go do something else that's on your arm length list of things to do. And I realized I can't because. My entire being, everything is focused on, I need to get this chapter finished. And until that is resolved, nothing else even penetrates the, the brain power, the neurotransmitters, whatever, that, that cluster of, of mental thinking, that muscle, nothing can even penetrate it. It's like it doesn't exist. And I'm like, that is very unfortunate. <laughs> I could do so much more if I could find a way to do other things when it's not working. But it is the not working and just keeping at it, keeping at it, keeping at it until it does work that finally gets me to the end. All right. A, a quick question, because I think people will be interested in this. What's This is for the second book in a series that the first book is done, you're contracted for this book, and so you're sending this material to them. How much material do you need to send them? Well, in this case, I mean, it's, it's different. It depends on the, the 
what the contract calls for. And in the mm -hmm. past, I've done three chapters. And well, actually, oh, it's always different. Sometimes it's like, just give us a synopsis. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's like, we want three chapters in the outline. And in this case, it's a chapter in the synopsis. But I can't do a synopsis because to synopsize something, you have to know what the thing is. <laughs> so I just have to write the full outline. I'm like, here, now I can make a synopsis off the outline. You might as well have the outline. So, yeah, I needed a chapter in the outline. And I, I could send it to my agent, and she'd be like, this is a really short chapter. Maybe you should do another one. And then I'll go, ah, and bang my head against <laughs> Yes. Remember what I told you about not screaming? I'm sorry, Jeff, you're Steve has very, very sensitive um, ear. Micro, uh, I am not at home. I don't have my regular microphone. I don't have my regular headphones, and there is no volume control here on this. And I'm, <laughs> and, I'm, not, I'm not known for volume control. <laughs> yeah, and there's no volume control in, in Taylor's palatial offices either. Oh. <laughs> So, so, anyway, yeah. so we'll you, you think it's going to be one chapter and a synopsis, and you use the word synopsisize. Is that a word? Probably not. I, I like I, it. I, I like it. Up. If it's not a word, I think we should make it a word, and we should yes. use it in in the title of this show. Oh yes, you oh. asked. That's where I am. And how are you surviving? What with not being at home and you know still having to work and everything. It's. It's good, you know. It's good that to have to have a place to go where there's power. And I have to say, you know, I'm, I'm whining a little bit about you know the power's not on in our house yet. That ninety, I don't know, close, but somewhere between ninety-eight, ninety-nine percent of the county had no power after the oh. uh, after the hurricane. And it, I think they've done a fantastic job of getting the the power back on in in you know what is a pretty big. Uh, our county is one of the biggest counties in the state of Florida. And they've done a really good job. It's way over 50% now, I think. Um, you know, it's just not us. And for the people that don't have power, it's easy to go, wow, you know, they're just terribly slow. But I mean, they're starting from ground zero. And on, on, along the street where we live, there was, the, the power lines were not buried. They were really high. Oh, and we have these okay. enormous trees. And all of the trees blew over on top of the power lines. Oh, my gosh. So first they've got to cut the trees up, get the trees off, and then do whatever they have to do with the power lines. So it's And they're working with an infrastructure right now that's already overloaded because everybody's trying to clean up their stuff and the roads are clogged. And Yes. Yes. It's, it is absolutely crazy. But I think they're doing a good job. I, I think the local government has done a, a fantastic job of, of dealing with all of this. And, you know, you see this... From time to time when there's the, the close calls, which we uh, normally get our close calls down here, and you see the preparation and everything, and, and you, you, know, you get to the end of it and nothing happens, and you yawn and go, hey, I wonder what would have actually happened. And in, in this case, you know, it, was, it, was, it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot to be done. It's just it's incredible. Not like yeah. in Houston where the whole city is flooded, but it wasn't the it's whole just city. See, that's the whole that's the whole thing. About yeah, that's that's it on the national, national media. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't actually know, and I know people in Houston. And I ask everyone, were you flooded? No. Yeah. And we've got pockets of flooding down here. They kept talking about the storm surge, and I have to say, I. I was not a big believer in, in what they were saying, and it, it didn't, for the most part, come true. But there are some areas where the rivers 
overflowed to such a level, and because Florida is so flat, like Houston, yeah. wherever the water is going to go, it's going to go, and it can't get back to the Gulf right now. So it's just flooding these communities, and it's not going down. And it's just, it's, I mean, it's fascinating to watch. You just feel sick to your stomach for the people who are have to go through this. But um, I, you know, it, it's just amazing. You know, we live, we live. In, in such a flat state <laughs> down here that, um, yeah, I have, have a whole different appreciation for things like storm surge now. That, uh... so here's a little tangent that has absolutely nothing to do with writing, but it does have the subject to do with hurricanes. You can edit it out if you want to. Uh, there is no editing for this. So when you hear this, <laughs> this is it. <laughs> this is it. I normally right, edit well, guys... these shows, not this one. I'm sorry to run you off on this tangent, but this is the way my brain works. And who knows, this might be useful information for somebody. But when uh, the hurricane passed over the islands, uh, I think it was the Bahamas experienced somewhat of a, I don't know how rare it is, but basically the hurricane sucked up all the water. Oh, we had the same the thing down here. So the beaches that normally if the water came to, you know, you had 10 feet of sand, now they had like, four or five hundred feet of sand like there's mm -hmm. nothing it's just gone and the the water does eventually come back it's sort of like with the tidal wave you know how it wa washes out except it doesn't come back with as much of a rush and for me that was interesting because i love learning little facts those types of things have a way of just little little bits of knowledge have a way of showing up here or there just in your writing especially mm -hmm. and i i knew that happened with tidal waves i had no idea that a hurricane could suck all the water up off the beach yeah, I didn't either. And they kept showing these videos of, of, of places that, that we knew. And it's like, there's no water there. And, you know, here's the, the, the walkover bridge to get over things, and there's no water there. And all I kept yeah. thinking of was tidal waves. And it's like, oh, my gosh, this could be really bad if it comes back like that. But it doesn't. It comes back more slowly. With, yes. Yeah. Yes. Actually. And we were really lucky because the storm was delayed by about four hours from the projections. If it had come at high tide, it would have been a lot worse, oh, I think, oh, from a storm wow. surge. But it came pretty close to low tide, which was uh, a real blessing for us. So, uh, sorry we didn't have a regular show this week. Uh, it's possible we might not have one next week. That's it, still up it in is, the air. It is likely we'll have one next week. I'm I'm completely optimistic. Every day I wake up and I think today the power is going on and Julie is sitting over there laughing and holding her stomach, trying to keep from laughing out loud and joining the podcast. <laughs> she, <laughs> she does not have my sense of optimism that has that has been going on since the first day. I'm, I really expected the, first, the next day to have the power back. It's just kind of the way things work for us. That's just awesome, though. It'd be one thing if you expect it and then you get mad when it doesn't happen or upset like some people do. But yes. you don't. You have such a positive, sunny disposition. And for you, life is just wonderful because of the way you view it. That's just awesome. Well, that is very nice of you to say. And, and with that, we have absolutely no call to action this week. And I, I think we're, we're kind of done, and I'm going to go pat myself on the back for having such a sunny disposition. <laughs> Keep it up, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> thank, you, right. thank you guys for listening to us blather on about uh, things, a little bit of writing-related stuff. Hopefully we'll be back to normal next week, and I'll have my regular microphone, and I can actually hear Taylor without holding my 
headphones away from my ears. <laughs> Keep fingers crossed for his ears. All right. So, uh, thanks for being here, guys, and uh, be with you next week.